Today's scriptures are from Luke chapter 4, verses 21 through 30. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah. And when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land, yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow from Zarephtha in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all of the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did any of you um, read the story this week about a surprise that was found in a potato chip factory in Hong Kong? Okay. So this potato chip, this is a true story. It sounds like I'm setting up a joke, but it really isn't. This potato chip factory in Hong Kong were unloading sacks of potatoes and among the potatoes they found this perfectly circular brown thing but they knew it really wasn't a potato it was a grenade from World War One. a grenade yeah I know the potatoes were from France. Now, I want to ask, where, where's Sally? She's my resident go-to French scholar. Sally, uh, what, what is pomme de terre? Potato. Apple of the ground. So they, they found this grenade, and they, uh, it was still unexploded and they brought in a bomb squad and they took care of it in, just outside the factory. And um, the joke is now that they're calling it bomb de terre. <laughs> so when you're eating chips today at your Super Bowl parties, you can appreciate that they really are potato chips and not grenade chips. Sometimes the passages that we read in the scriptures are like a grenade in fact, one of my homiletics professors used to call uh, the, the homiletical loop, you, you tell the story, and then when you get to Jesus' punchline, it's like a grenade that goes off, and you don't expect it, because you think that Jesus is going to give nothing but goodness, nothing but love, but often Jesus' stories and actions culminate with 
a surprise that nobody really expects. Today's passage that Sally read from the Gospel of Luke is similar to that. This is a story where Jesus goes back to his home congregation and is preaching his inaugural sermon. And these are the people that raised him in the faith. I'm very grateful for a friend of mine in, in our congregation who sent me some, some feedback and some email last week about last week's sermon and saying that uh, when I said that Jesus was picking and choosing which scriptures to lift up and which ones not, and what I could have said more nuanced was that Jesus was a faithful Jew. Jesus was raised as a Jewish man. He was brought to synagogue by his mom and dad. He was raised in the faith not only by his mom and dad, but by the religious leaders, by the mothers and fathers in the faith, the grandmothers and grandfathers in the faith who helped him with his own identity as a Jewish man, a faithful Jewish man. This community gathered together to read scriptures together, the Hebrew texts. This community gathered together to pray to God with one another, for one another. This community knew one another. They knew each other's names. They knew each other's kids' names. It reminds me of a time about two years ago, the youth group went down to Francis Asbury Manor in Ocean Grove. To, we led a worship service. I was preaching, and we got to worship with the residents of the, the uh, Francis Asbury Manor, as it was called then. We had dinner at a pizza place nearby, and I remember Nan Canfield, I was sitting next to Nan, and she said to me, I know every youth over there and who their parents are, except I don't know one. Who's that one over there? And I told her, and she said, oh, that's so-and-so's child. And it just reminded me, ah, yes, the Chatham United Methodist Church is such a community of faith where we know each other's children. We know their names. We care for them. This is the kind of community that Jesus was preaching in front of. He preached from Isaiah, and it says they all marveled at him. They thought he was brilliant. But then Jesus began to explain what he said, and they weren't so enamored with him anymore. He told them the story. Look, Elijah, there were many widows in Israel then, but he went to the widow in Zarephath from Sidon. That's an outsider. That's someone who's not necessarily in their tribe or their culture or their language group. And as if to make it a little bit more clear, Jesus said in Elisha, do you remember Elisha? There were so many lepers in the land, but who did he heal? He healed Naaman, the Syrian. Again, Jesus is going way outside of the tribe and saying God's grace is not just for the Jewish people, it is for Jews 
and Gentiles. It is for people who speak our language and people who don't speak our language, people who know our culture and people who are unfamiliar with our culture. And that got Jesus' home congregation a little bit ticked off. In fact, they must have been quite ticked off because they wanted to kill him. And they drove him to the edge of town where there were cliffs, and they were ready to throw him off the cliff because he had challenged their worldview. He had challenged their theology. He had challenged the way they see themselves and said God's love incorporates all people. And then the scripture says, and he vanished. He walked through them. Somehow he just didn't engage their energy with equally violent energy. And he went on his way. This may be helpful for someone here who has a choice. Do we confront negative energy that is directed at us with the same kind of energy? Or do we go on our own way, we who are trying to follow Jesus, and respond with nonviolence, respond with non-aggression, respond with almost a disengagement so that we can be on our way, which for Christians is the way of love. It must have been terribly painful for Jesus to have his home congregation, his mothers and fathers in the faith, want to kill him after they watched him grow up, as they helped him become who he was. They said, I think the scriptures say, is this not Joseph's son? We don't know the inflection of how they said that. Did they say that like proud mothers and fathers in the faith and say, is this not Joseph's son? Or did they say, is, is this not Joseph's son? Or maybe they were having a theological argument. Is he really the incarnation of God or is he Joseph's son? We don't know. But Jesus was facing a rejection from his mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers in the faith. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I trust that there is a good number of people who have faced rejection from their mothers or fathers or mother figures or father figures or faced rejection from grandmother figures or grandfather figures. And that pain, unless it is transformed, will be transmitted. And so we who may be dealing with that kind of rejection, for whatever reason, we need to choose what are we going to do with that negative energy? What are we going to do with that pain? 
Will we dish it back? Will we pay it forward to our kids and grandkids? Or will we stop that cycle of negativity and go on our own way, following Jesus, responding with nothing but love? Friends, last week between services, we had a brief conversation about some of the decisions that we face as a denomination at our general conference on whether we're going to be a church for all people or whether we're going to be a church for just some people. And either way, whatever we decide or don't decide, there's going to be hurt people and perhaps angry people. And we will have a decision to make whether we respond with more anger, even though it may be righteous, or do we stay on our game and continue to follow Jesus in the flow of love, no matter what that means? Friends, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, I think is encouraging us for such a time as this to stay rooted in love, to stay on the path of love, no matter what. May it be so for you and for me, for our whole congregation, for our whole denomination, for all followers of Jesus. And if we could do that as followers of Jesus throughout the world, the world would stop and say, Look at them. How do they do it? How do they keep loving one another when they disagree so vehemently? And what do they know that we need to emulate? Amen.